my biggest thing with leadership is allowing people the freedom and really the capacity to make, make attempts based on their best judgment to try new things, to innovate, to improve processes and to fail. And I encourage if, if, if our team isn't failing often enough, that means we're not doing, we're not trying hard. We're not trying anything new. We're just cruising through the motions. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today calling from Montana is Joe Rare, who is the founder of Level 9 Virtual, and he's got a whole bunch of other projects on the go. Joe, what's happening today? Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me. We're just uh, enjoying some sunshine after mostly, mostly rain in June. That's what Montana's like. I hear that. Well, it sounds like you had a nice adventure yesterday, which I won't privy our listeners to, but it sounded cool. Um, and when I said a bunch of other projects, I really meant a bunch of other businesses, but I'm sure yeah. projects as well. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Level 9, about some of the stuff that you, keeps you busy, and then we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah, Level 9 Virtual is a uh, virtual assistant services company. So we provide direct hire virtual assistants to small businesses, big businesses, um, individuals, everything in between. So everything from middle management up into you know full full leadership, they hire virtual assistants to take a lot of the mundane stuff that even if you have in-house assistants, there's still stuff that just has to get done. And then for small businesses, typically we focus on the marketing side of things. Anything graphic design related, anything video editing, marketing automation, CRM, funnels, all that stuff. That's kind of where we, we hang our hat. We've been, gosh, I've, I've hired my first virtual assistant in 2008 and I've had one every single day since. Right now, I have an internal team of 22 or 24, I think, that operate, I think we're up to six companies now. Of our six companies, we do you know over eight figures and um, yeah, and they run the businesses entirely so that I can go have adventures and enjoy Montana. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. What, um, so for you, like we talk about leadership, we talk about management and things like that. And, and what you've built requires an exceptional level of trust. And I, I bet just in the couple seconds we've had like chatting together, you're like, I just don't want to be bothered with all this stuff. I'd rather someone else do it. Um, but, but how did you, um, how did you scale that? Like, how did you put those systems in place? How did you put enough, both of course, trust into the people, but systems to support the ability to grow and scale all of these businesses and, and manage all of these responsibilities and all of this growth? Yeah. So what's been actually interesting is, is using virtual assistants has been kind of my, it's kind of been what my know-how since the beginning. So when I really started building businesses, um, had a couple. I I sold one when I was like 22 years old. I built one and sold one, and I was really young. Um, then I got into real estate, got pummeled in the 08, 09 crash, um, went down to literally zero, and started a new business. And I literally, as as dumb as it is, I sat down and I followed the four hour work week book to a T. And I went page by page and I built a business, an e commerce business online, and it was a hundred percent run by virtual assistants. So I got to travel. I went to Costa Rica and I got to, you know, travel all over and 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 literally disappear and it operated. And so I just figured out that you could trust somebody next to you, you could trust somebody overseas, they can screw you the same way. Right? It doesn't matter and and so all I did was look at safeguards. What if what if the worst thing that I could imagine happened actually happened, then what? And if I could retract a plan backwards, that literally didn't have me living in somebody's basement, like I was going to be okay. And, and what, what's interesting is that when you actually look at the worst case scenario, the absolute worst case is death. 
But anything below that is pretty much manageable. Like everything can be fixed. And so I couldn't figure out any reason not to try it, not to do it. And not to say that I never had any bad apples or, or things not go, go right with team members and so forth. But we just I just put safeguards in place that, hey, if something happens and there's a red flag, right? We assess it. We seriously address it. Not, but like we set clear boundaries. These are absolutely no's. These are things that we just, you know, okay, we'll work through these. But we had some very clear boundaries and that was kind of the start. That, that was what really, really helped getting going. And then from there, it, uh, you know, that business ran for, God, I want to say nine years, eight years and did really, really well for a while. And then I was, of course, selling a product that, you know, the FDA didn't like. So I got, uh, the product got shut down in manufacturing. So then I moved uh, from there and everybody kept asking me, how do you do marketing? Why, how, how was it that you were able to sell so much product and da, da, da. And so then I, I started doing marketing and I started helping companies like Keller Williams and their corporate office. And we built up their coaching program and all that. And it was fun. And then I started an agency. And for some reason, when I started my agency, I decided that, um, I don't know if Gary Vee was in my head and you have to build a company with a thousand employees. But next thing I know, I have this office space with glass doors and walls and fancy, you know, computer equipment. And, you know, we're doing, we have 27 employees in the US plus another team of 18, you know, overseas. And I got out of, you know, the, the virtual assistant stuff. And I was so focused on building something. I don't know where I got it, but I thought we were building something great. I thought I was building careers for people and helping and um, we just had a couple major clients that were a huge amount of our revenue. Two of them canceled in the same week or within two weeks. Um, and it literally put us in debt. Um, so immediately now, all of our bills are not being covered. And so I'm coming out of pocket and I'm just racking up debt to pay payroll, thinking like, hey, we're going to get to the next level. All we need to do is just close a few more clients, you know, that awesome spiral. And it didn't happen. And so finally, I just hit a wall where I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I had a mentor who um, had advised me in the beginning of this catastrophe to cut ties, just go, look, close down the company. You know, as a marketing agency, we did everything for everyone, right? We shot commercials, we did website builds, we did Facebook ads, we ran, you know, uh, we did all the branding, design work, social media marketing, everything. So one thing that it carried over into the virtual assistant world is realizing you can hire specialists that are the that are really good, that really really good at that thing, that one thing. Or, in my case, being in a local office with the best talent that I could afford to hire, I'm going to get a bunch of generalists. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a bunch of people who are mediocre at best at a few things because I didn't have the money to hire big. I didn't have the the I didn't have the capacity to hire enough people to be specialists in every piece that we needed, and we were doing way too much for way too many. And so, what ended up happening was uh, I didn't listen to the guy who told me to close down the business, and I I sucked it up, and I, I racked up over a quarter of a million dollars in debt. I had this huge office; we're not using any of it. I thought clients would come in and be impressed with our our conference room. Nobody came to our conference room <laughs> and uh, we went through that whole you know, uh, struggle. And then I caught an interview with him and he went from 50 to $400,000 a month in like seven or eight months. And meanwhile, we weren't growing and I was racking up debt. And I, was, I just texted him. I said, what the heck did you do? And he goes, you didn't listen to me, did you? And I said, no, I didn't. So within the next... I think, I think it was like two days later, I fired everybody closed down the business, 
like stopped paying my rent, had to go into a lawsuit with a, and, and eventually settle to get out of my office lease. And I just went backwards. I said, okay, I need to think about this in a much more practical sense. And so I decided to relaunch, do one thing for one niche. And we went from zero to $109,000 a month in revenue in four months. We doubled four months later. And then I got the idea, well, hold on. If I could do that with my... It was an agency in the wedding space. If I could do that with that, why can't I do that with Level 9 Virtual? So then I said, okay, let's just do the exact same thing. And then we did that and the business exploded and Level 9 Virtual got huge. And so... Hmm. Yeah. So that's been uh, that's been my there's my tail. <laughs> well, well I, there's oh, first of all, there's so much stuff. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, second yeah. of all, I uh, can empathize and also can't imagine what it was like going through that quarter million dollars. You know, like when you just like, hey, you're back up against the wall. I think that's what's what's really challenging for entrepreneurs is. Sure. You know, you're on your own in those things and you have to like make the best decision with the information and the hope and the luck that you have. And then, you know, really, even with your advisors, you could get the best advice. Sometimes it's hard to follow. You're going to go with your gut yeah. at the end of the day yeah. for better or worse. But it really sounds like you are able to take those lessons and say, hey, like, let's do that one thing really, really well. And, and you've been able to repeat it across businesses, also supporting scale. And what I just find also interesting is you had the 27 employees, you like scaled it down, but then now you have 27, well, you got lots of people, I don't even know what the number yeah. is, across the world. And the other aha thing for me is, you know, the the, I guess it's a paradox right now where people are looking at, do we hire remote? or not right do yeah. what are the kind of people that we want how do we balance that culture and for your needs specifically you know you say hey if i have these specific project-based work or task-based work that i can find the best person to do that work and they do not need to be closed whereas other right. organizations other companies that might not work but it worked for you and it's worked for your yeah. clients and i think that that's phenomenal yeah absolutely so as we look at uh, how you've grown and scaled, and we think about like leadership, because obviously it's putting the the safeguards in place, de-risking, having a process for managing red flags, uh, reading Tim Ferriss's book, uh, which like the OG internet marketers, that was like, you know, for our week for Tim, Tim was the man. Uh, anyways, yeah, for sure. What are some of the kind of leadership principles that you abide by now and, and our listeners, you know, what are some of the things as you look at growing, scaling and supporting people? What are your kind of mantras for, for doing yeah. that today? So, per, you know, it, it started with me personally is, is the willingness to fail and being okay with failing. You know, even most employees in most companies are afraid to do something wrong and then get in trouble by their supervisor. We do the opposite. So as long as you don't do anything that's malicious or, you know, that is intended to harm, um, you're allowed in our company to fail. You can go and we can try something. You can get approval to try whatever you think is is gonna do the right thing in in the path that we're trying to go down for whatever service client whatever you're allowed to attempt and look for support, ask for support. But the bottom line is you're allowed to fail. Now after the failure, the biggest thing that we're looking for is what do you do after? Hmm. What do you learn from it? Are you taking what you learned and actually applying it? Now, if you go fail and then you just ignore it and you do the exact same thing again, we have a problem and that's, that's going to become a character problem, right? And we need to either address it or we need to replace it. But what my biggest thing with leadership is allowing people the freedom 
and really the capacity to make, make attempts based on their best judgment to try new things, to innovate, to improve processes, and to fail. And I encourage if, if if our team isn't failing often enough, that means we're not doing we're not trying hard. We're not trying anything new. We're just cruising through the motions. And so that's been one thing that's been gigantic with with our leadership and what I believe that everybody needs to have the freedom to do. But then the next thing is is that what I've gotten better at, I failed at really really bad um, previously, is understanding where people should be going in their career rather than where I would like them to go in their career. Mm. And unfortunately, I had somebody who was a huge major player in, in my company. I wanted to move her into an executive type role. And an, the, the bottom line was, is that is not where she should have ever been offered a position. We should have never moved her into it. It's not her personality. It's not her skill type. But she'd been around so long, she knew so much that it seemed like the obvious next step for her in her career. It seemed like it. However, looking back, because now she's not even with the company anymore, because I pushed that on her, it wasn't the right fit and we ended up losing her. Looking back, I go, you know what? She was the best at this one thing over here. And what I should have done is just scaled that, given her more opportunity within that capacity, within that skill set, within that, that uh, division of the company, and she would have continued to do amazing things. But instead, I forced my feeling and what I believed that she, she would have wanted. It's like, who wouldn't want to become a, a, a C-level executive in the company? Mm. Who doesn't want that? Well, somebody who doesn't have any desire to do that. And so <laughs> that was something that was very hard for me to understand that I was the one who screwed that up. And so I ended up losing one of my longest team members that had been with me basically since I started the company. And um, that was that was really, really devastating to learn that I did it, mm-hmm. that that was my poor leadership by not recognizing how, like what her major talent was, what her personality profile would allow, the capacity that she could actually take on. And I screwed that up. And so it's been something I've been very, very serious about learning and improving on so that we can move people into the correct roles within the company that allow the company to do what we would like it to do. Oh, and what kind of processes have you put in place to, to support that? Is there a regular review? Is it conversations? Is it documents? All of the above? Okay. So, you know, um, we started doing these little things. Like we, we used to do these stupid meetings that was like, hey, how's everybody doing? What challenges are you working on? And we realized like we started to get repetitive. Nobody wanted to do the meeting. So everybody kind of said, nope, everything's good here. Nope, everything's good here. These two people always had the same issues. And it was kind of like, oh my God, all we're doing is regurgitating things. So what we started to do is we broke it down into each division of the company and each service set. And, and the leaders of those would then get with their team and they begin the process of working on professional development. Hmm. It's, it's constant. Hey, where do, you, where do you see yourself in the next six months? What would, you like to, what would you like to be doing? Is there anything in your role that we can support you trying something new? You know, Do you want to learn a new skill? Is there something that we can support you learning a new skill? So little things like that are the beginning. Then I look at the management team and I say, okay, great. From here, where are you looking? You know, what do you have your sights set on? Are you comfortable where you are? Is there something new you'd like to learn? Usually if somebody's saying, hey, I want to try to learn something, something over here, they're looking for some, some lateral movement or some vertical movement. You can see it because they have an interest somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that's been giving us a lot of indicators. So I would say rather than... It just being these formal reviews, it's this constant open communication, constant. 
And we have such good communication now, me with my leadership team, and then my leadership team with their team. That communication has been so clear and clean that we've been able to move people into different roles really, really well. So that's kind of our process. It's not a st- any, anything major structured, but you know we do keep obviously keep notes on it. We're tracking, um, but the main thing is is crystal clear communication often. Yeah, no, I get that. What I really like about that, and maybe it's so obvious to everybody else except for me, but you know what? What I heard you say is you're really looking for clues. So everybody has that formal process. Hey, let's do a 360. Hey, let's look at your skills. Let's look at where you're at. Whereas you're using your regular touch points and your L and D as, as a way to inform it so that you're not trying to game the system, so to speak of like putting money, like you're not wasting money by suggesting or whatever, but you're really looking for clues. One of the, I have a one-year-old kid. And one of the things I read about parenting is like, basically look at what your kid is interested in and nurture what they're interested in. And you're kind of doing the same approach as saying, Hey, what are people interested in? Yeah. That's right. There's no difference. It's just a matter of, of, you know, maturity and, and so forth, but they're, there is no difference. They're going to they're going to give you hints where they're trying to go and what they want in their career and in their life. And you know, we had we had the reverse effect though when we were talking to somebody who, you know, we find it we really love this this gal. Turns out she just wants to, she wants more time at home with her kids. Mm. Her husband works with us as well. She works with us. She's been with us longer than her husband. He's phenomenal and like we never want him to disappear. And unfortunately, she just decided that she's going to stay home with her with her children. And I'm like, you know what? I like I love that because you're doing the thing that's most important for your family. So I'm sad that we lost we lost the team member because she was fantastic. However, at the same time, that is her path. That's where she is going to be most effective in life for her family and so forth. And guess what? Her husband is probably going to perform better because the duties at home are actually easier for him. Right. So now we may have increased productivity in one area because we lost productivity somewhere else. So we'll see how that plays out. But I mean, it, it, it is. Everybody will tell you exactly what they want. They just may not tell you exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I think is cool for you as, as a CEO is, you know, I see a lot of people CEO who are doing a bunch of stuff. They're very, very active. And, and like, I'm not saying you're not active, but what you are active in is listening, is supporting people. Like you recognize that that is your main job to help people to get the most out of them, to help them get the most out of the clients. I, w- I want to touch base on something that I read is because I was doing my research here is one of the approaches that you have is sounds like, you know, how do we put multiple VAs with a client so that you can kind of master that depth of skill. So instead of having a VA who's expected to be, and I'm asserting here, instead of having a VA who becomes a generalist for you and they're pretty good, a team of VAs so that you really get the best of them and it drives right. the output for the client. Did I misread that or is that how you guys approach no, kind and of supporting that, And people? that comes from my previous failure where I couldn't hire people who were specialists. So I got a bunch of generalists who are kind of okay at a bunch of things. I went, whoa, that's not the best thing to do. And if I cannot do that for my clients... And I don't let them hire somebody who does 72 skill set, you know, tasks. That doesn't solve your problem. Your problem is, is that you want to, you want to provide service because the majority of our clients, a lot of them are, are example agencies, right? So we're in between them and their, their client. And so our, our VAs very often happen to be like the service provider on behalf of the client. And so with that, if we don't give them somebody who's a specialist in a skill, and we give them a generalist, it's only going to last a period of time. 
And then they're going to be like, okay, I need somebody better, right? I need them better at this one thing. So now we just go, okay, you can't hire somebody who's okay at a bunch of things. We're only going to provide you somebody who's good at something specific. Mm-hmm. When we know for a fact that they are good at this, and then we we continuously mold them and give them more resources and training, and we, we want them to be better and better at that skill set. But what I'm not doing, and, and the other aspect of it is we do personality profiling. I want to find out what your personality is. You may want to be a developer, but the reality is, is your personality is much more customer focused. Mm -hmm. So if you're much better at communicating, then you're probably not going to be a great developer. Developers by nature are not great communicators, right? And if you just, you know, if you were to look at like disc profiles and things like that, they're just not, they're on literally opposite ends of the spectrum. And so what we don't do is we try not to cross over personality profiles with skill sets. And that's been really helpful in providing good teams where we can give a balance to our clients. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what uh, personality profile test are you guys using? We, I mean, we use, we use disk mostly. It's the easiest and the fastest for, for us to get our team to use. Um, they're familiar with it for the most part because so many, you know, VA companies use it. So um, that's what we've stuck with. It's been effective in the way that we operate. Um, I know that, you know, Myers-Briggs and all the other ones that are out there are fantastic. We just haven't gone down that road and so far it's working. So yeah, don't fix what ain't broken, right? Exactly. I think, I mean, it's, as I, we look at teams and we talk about, Hey, how to improve team performance, any information is better. And so whatever you decide to choose, if you can kind of map it out and it's, it's just kind of a language or a, I can't remember the word right now, but like a shortcut. Like a yeah. shortcut that helps you get good information will help your team. Uh, but anyways, uh, as we finish up, Joe, what are some of the things that as you've built these businesses, you look at what's happening in the future, what are you most excited about for the future of your life and the future of your business? Um, oh, most excited about, I, I think, you know, the, the turning economy creates opportunities. And, you know, a lot of people are going to look at, at the downside, but the biggest and, and greatest businesses of all times, a lot of, a lot of them were started during, during, you know, depressions and during down economies. And, um, so there's huge opportunity that, that opens up. And what I think that is most important is that we evaluate ways to excel in the circumstances that are actually existing. So rather than wishing that things were different, we'd rather focus on how things are going to be and figure out how to make money. So things like, um, you know, whether somebody's a believer or not a believer, the digital currency is coming. My my thought is, guess what? You just better figure out how to make money using digital currency. That's mm. just a fact. So what does that look like? Well, what is it going to? What's it going to be like to take payments? What's it going to be like to make payroll? Like what? What are all those things? So preparing ahead of time is that's okay. I think you, people should do that. But I think realizing, you know, if you're a company that requires a lot of financing, you're probably getting your butt kicked right now because financing sucks, you know? Um, so we're looking at, at other methods. Well, we've been, you know, I'm kind of a prepper. So we've been stacking cash and going, Hey, the economy isn't going to be this great and interest rates aren't going to be zero for long. So we better prepare ourselves for when things are different. Right. And so Looking into the future, I'm, you know, I'm interested in projects and investments and businesses that are going to be basically, you know, recession proof per se. Mm -hmm. So we just launched a business, uh, officially launched last week. Um, We're rolling out um, kind of our full launch this coming week. And this is a 100% recession proof business. In fact, we will be totally, totally 
important in big businesses and small businesses in the bad times. And then we're going to be just absolutely gravy. And I can't, they, of course, everybody will spend money on it in the good times. So I'm looking at those as far as opportunities go. Investment wise, you know, I maybe the real estate market will come down and we'll just continue to buy real estate, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Joe. Well, I appreciate it. I think it's just really cool how your view on not just talent uh, and, and, and people development, but truly how you've taken that view, scaled it to not only create independence for, for your family, to provide success for the people that you're working with, and really put p- people in positions to win. I think that's the, you know, at least in my you know, entrepreneurial sure. experience of 20 years. And there was the, the kind of stigma around virtual assistance uh, because yeah. it's like offshore or what have you. But really, you're really doing is you're providing a platform for people who are great all over the world to be successful, to find roles that fit with their needs, their skill set, to find a company that can support them with what they want in, in work and life. Uh, and I think it's just really remarkable what you've done. So I just appreciate you and thanks for sharing today. And uh, where can people uh, get a hold of you? Yeah. So level number nine, virtual.com. That's the easiest place. Um, Joe at level nine, virtual.com is my email. So reach out anytime. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you being here. It's been a really fun conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Folks, my guest today, Joe Rare, who's the founder and CEO of level nine virtual. It's neat because being able to create an environment where people thrive. You hear a lot of people are like, oh, I want to create a great company. I want to create a a family. I want to create a great work environment. And what I hear from Joe today is just like being able to lead from the top to put all of those systems in place is really cool. It's easy to talk the talk and say about it and walk the walk in an area where you've got distributed staff and like not commitment, uh, which of course is not true. Uh, It's just really cool to see what you built. So uh, for everybody listening, I encourage you to just really be there to listen for your people. That's a great sign of a leader. And and that's what Joe is exemplifying today. So uh, I appreciate you being here, Joe. Thank you for your listeners to be here and uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.